This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian owned and local. Phone 131 806. Do you wish you'd gone to Queensland six weeks ago and into the quarantine bubble? No. Oh, rubbish. Oh, I so don't believe you on that. I've got FOMO this week, I admit. It's appalling leadership, Scott Morrison and Josh Rydenberg. Just put on a happy face, will you, and tell Victorians they're doing a great job. Can I start a shout-out to the MCG? I'm thinking of that great ground and how I'm missing going there and what a complete cheapskate I feel for taking advantage of the lower subscription offered to the members. Who knew there was a novel called Don't Shoot the Messenger? It sounds absolute shite. What would be the plot in a porn book of Don't Shoot the Messenger? Mm. You reckon that's a stupid day to have? Do you know what Thursday is? International Caps Lock Day. It's a day for the caps lock on your computer. Take that, exclamation mark. Don't shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corrie Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger. This is episode 148, and I'm here with my good friend and fellow potty, Caroline Wilson. Hi, Caro. And Tiger supporter. Hi, Corey. I was wondering how long it would take. How could how long could we go before Just we mentioned it? Get it out of the way straight away. It's been a huge weekend for Victoria, Caro. Not only did the Vixens win the netball final, but uh, we have an all Victorian grand final with Geelong and your beloved Richmond in the granny. And so Melbourne fantastic. Storm. Melbourne, Melbourne Storm, Storm, who've been in their hub longer than Richmond and Geelong. Correct. And the the only. Australian club in the NRL to hub are also in their grand final as well. So we're still the sporting capital, even though we had to leave home to prove it. We are the sporting capital, although no sport happening this weekend live anyway. What is happening live, which I've noticed. It's happening live, but it's just not happening here. Not here. (laughs) We have to watch it on the screen. But what is happening here in the suburbs of Melbourne as I'm driving my book deliveries around Caro is your beloved Halloween. Halloween has hit the burbs quite a few days in advance. There are houses covered in cotton wool masquerading as spider webs. There are pumpkins outside the doors of Un-Australian, places. un-Australian. But they've, they've really listened to you last week when you said you thought it was an American affectation that I, shouldn't be here. I think, I think in fact, that um, I heard one radio announcer and breakfast radio or morning radio in recent days say, and they're even going to, you know, ban Halloween. I'm like, what, now we're sad about Halloween all of a sudden? I mean, I'm sad we can't all watch the grand final together, but I'm not sad about Halloween. Corrie, I've got two quick apologies. Go. One is to... Anna from the op shop who had already reviewed, which I didn't mention that she'd lent me too much lip, the book we reviewed last week, the wonderful Australian book that I have finished now and really enjoyed. She actually reviewed it on our show about six months ago. She did say, what am I, chop liver? I had remembered her talking about it. We'd probably both forgotten she reviewed it, but it was a good chance to plug it again because I reckon it's going to sell really well. I know you're still delivering books. Soon you'll be open, though, to sell for people to come in, and I thoroughly recommend it. I also want to apologise to Mr Cobran, who people raised their eyebrows when Clem gave her ceviche recipe a few weeks ago, ceviche, Mm. and said, look, you need a good quality olive oil, probably not Mr Cobram. She wasn't, she was being facetious. I mean, obviously we think he makes great olive oil. It's become a bit of a running gag. That he won't won't sponsor us. To those... 
<laughs> well, he's not going to do that, but we still like his olive oil and Clem was just being a bit flippant. So sorry, it, Mr Cobram. Mr Cobram could change this around, though, make it a win-win, sponsor the podcast. Clem could come in every now and then with a the recipe. We mention again and again the name of his brand. That would be Cobram. We've done it again, Corrie. It's too late. We have got some good news, sponsorship news, but we'll talk about that in We will, and we also have a special guest. It wouldn't be a Richmond Grand Final Week without this particular special guest who I will introduce in just a moment. Caro, lots and lots of correspondence. Just, you mentioned books before. I don't want to do a, another plug for the bookshop because that's tedious, but I did want to send a hello to all of the potties who have touched base with us in recent weeks and uh, made a point of ordering books and saying that they love the podcast and everything. From Sandringham to Hampton to Kew, I had a call uh, last week from uh, someone in Ballarat who said, oh, I listened to the podcast at the end of her order. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. But particular mention to Cathy Carruthers from Adelaide, who ordered books for her book club the other night via an email. And then she said, I've had so much joy listening to yours and Caro's Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast during our version of lockdown this year. My little purchase from your bookshop is a small token of my thanks to you. And as a small business owner myself, I can only imagine how tough you and other retailers are doing it during this extended lockdown. Caro, I just wanted to send our thoughts to all of our retailer friends not just booksellers, but everybody you and I know who were waiting on Sunday for Dan to say retail can open up and our hopes were dashed. So hang in there, guys. Very funny pod, uh, Very funny uh, message from Edwina Grant via Facebook. Oh, this is hysterical. <laughs> Hi, girls. I love your podcast so much. I have been spruiking it to my book club where we talk about way more than books. A word of warning, however, if someone gets confused and instead of turning into the podcast, they purchase the Don't Shoot the Messenger novel instead, they are in for rather a surprise, <laughs> nasty or otherwise, as it is a cross between porn and Mills and Boone, according to one of my book club members who was very confused after reading it recently and couldn't work out who recommended it or why. I am still laughing as she told our WhatsApp group she is still blushing having read the whole thing cover to cover. That. Who knew there was a novel called Don't Shoot the Messenger? It sounds absolute shite and I'm really glad. What would be the plot in a porn book of Don't Shoot the Messenger? Mm, my, I hate, mind, I hate, my mind is racing. I hate to think. And can we give a special mention to BCNA and their Pink Buns campaign, which is running during October, and Catherine Elliott via Facebook has asked us to remind everyone that if you could remind ladies to book in and have their mammograms and screamings, um, they're down by about 30% at the moment. I know I put mine off because of... I just didn't want to go anywhere near a hospital, which is probably stupid. Uh, the pink buns are available for sale at Baker's Delight until October 28. 100% of those sales go to the BCNA. Girls listening to the podcast, I couldn't agree more. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, when a friend of mine was diagnosed with breast cancer, the first thing I did was book my online consultation with my doctor so I could get my referral. And I'm off there in a couple of weeks. So don't forget, girls. Uh, on a sort of slightly cheerier note, Cara, on our Don't Shoot Pod Instagram account, which I urge everybody to follow because it's a really good way for us to hear your feedback. Alio44 says, thanks, girls, for another fab episode, especially like Corrie's grumpy about mispronunciation of words. Do you remember last week I had a crack at performance? She says, my pet hate is the word important, constantly being pronounced important. <laughs> it's so important. 
I, I know, I, I can hear myself saying that. Also amused when this discussion was followed up with Corrie using the word COVID. Oh, Corrie. Instead oh, of- that wasn't. That was just you know being lazy. I'm sorry. And Caro saying Halloween not once but twice. Halloween, sorry. And then she has some hysterical emojis following that. So thank you very much and, for that and one. And finally, Craig Pullen, good pickup via Facebook. He is from is it Albany or Albany? How do the West Australians pronounce? I think it? they say Albany. Well, he picked up that I did use the don't shoot the messenger line twice on Footy Classified last week because I was telling the story, well, I felt breaking the story about a potential rule change that the AFL is pushing via their executive, Steve Hocking and Gillan McLaughlin. And Ross Lyon and Matthew Lloyd just dissed it completely, this deliberate out-of-bounds suggestion with punching the ball. And I said, don't shoot the messenger, and nobody picked it up. So, you know. Well, Craig did. I love a bit of cross-promotion. Thank you, Craig. I think you should do that that every week and I think there should be a little prize for potties who hear at the point when do they hear Caro drop the don't shoot the messenger. Even Dwayne, Dwayne Russell's picked it up the ball and run with it too. He's been a good friend of the program. So thanks, Dwayne. We have a special invitation for you, don't we, Caro? We do, Corrie. It is our 150th birthday. They Woo-hoo! said they said it would never happen. Who did? <laughs> just, sounds good. It's a webinar Speak event. I did my first webinar this week, as a matter of fact, a yeah. grand final chat webinar. I've done a lot of Zoom, but the webinar event is to celebrate, as we said, our 150th episode. It's live. It's a Q&A session. It is on Wednesday, though, November the 4th, the day after the Melbourne Cup. It's at 5.30 and it is via Zoom. You'll find the links, Corrie, on the Try booking page in our show notes for this particular show. Now, like all parties, potties, there's no party without all of you. So we'd love you to join us. And if in advance you want to ask Caro and myself any questions, we'd love to answer them. They can be silly. They can be serious, whichever you prefer. So come on and join us for our party on November the 4th at 5.30pm. Anyway, um, there'll be more details at the end of this episode about how you can buy tickets, but we really hope you join us. October challenges, Carol, how are you going? With your working, working, working hard, working. working hard, coming, seeing light at the end of the tunnel. And um, I realise I've been very lucky to have worked for so long when other people haven't been able to go to work. But um, we did our last Monday night footy classified this week. I'm about to go and do the last Wednesday night footy classified. And look, you know, we've worked with the, the team who've worked on this show, you know, covered in masks and gloves as they do makeup and hair coming up with ideas, doing eight weeks when there was no footy, um, the show kept going. I must say I'm pretty proud. I'm also really glad it's coming to an end and looking forward to um, getting stuck into the garden, Corrie. And um, one more co- one more column, one more pre-game on 3AW, which will be a little bit sad because we won't be at the MCG, but um, still... You know, I'm I'm just thrilled it's coming to an end, to be brutally honest. Well, look, well-deserved. And I think particularly those weeks when there was nothing to talk about, you all found something to talk about. And that's just not a measure of your basic, you know, chatterbox curiosity, gossipy with one another. But it was really hard finding good news stories that would keep viewers connected. And well done, you. What about you? How are the streets of Far Q? No, no streets of Far Q. I'm really going to wait until I um, am... (laughs) 
have some time. I'm going to be doing the queue, but I have mapped out, I think I told you last week and then I went into it further on the weekend. There are there are walks that you can do around the queue boulevard, which are actually they actually look quite hilly, so I'm pretty prepared. I've gone into training with that. So haven't done it yet, but will hopefully by the end of the month. Caro, now it wouldn't be grand final week without the company of and dare I say critical football assessment of one of our much-loved regulars and, of course, a huge favourite with all our podcast listeners. It's your gorgeous mother, Julia Wilson, long-time Tiger fan. Hi, Julia. Hello, Corey. Thank you for that. <laughs> I'm so glad you're with us by telephone. You have been locked up or locked down for for a long time <laughs> and we've missed you dreadfully, but I did enjoy our phone chat a couple of weeks ago, Joel. Thank you, Corrie. That was lovely. And it was lovely to be able to get books sent from you. I have really appreciated your smiling daughter's face at the bottom <laughs> of my steps. <laughs> oh, well, you know, we put the family hard to work, Joel. Uh, before we get on to the football and the extraordinary season that Richmond has had, I thought we would just check in with... Uh, how you've been going. It's something that Carol and I have done every week since March. We always start the podcast with a, so how are we feeling? How are we traveling? And I just wondered how these last few months have fared for you and how you have really tried to keep your spirits up and keep connected with the family and friends. Oh, well, people of my age, Corrie, we're the very fortunate age group, if we're well, if we're in our own homes, if we have a spot of garden, and if we like to read. I come into all those categories and knit, taken up knitting again, and um, and really, apart from playing cards and seeing our friends, life is not that much different. Well, you did tell me when we had a chat the other day that you have gone back to some garden duties that you felt that once you hit your fine old age, not old in mind, but old in years, that you thought, I'm hanging up my gardening boots, but you've resurrected some of those great talents. Oh, yes, I have. I've cut down trees. I've moved roses. I've got on top of the native violet and blue convolvulus epidemic, which is taken place in my garden over the last, oh, the last decade, I should think, and um, ordered bag after bag of manure, and really, I've been quite happy. Well, whenever I come round and visit, and um, what, what am I doing? Delivering a care package, Mum. I've been, I've been taking home, I'm allowed to be in Mum's garden, the bunches, some of her, her lilac, her blossom, her viburnum, the iris, oh, it's been absolutely, it's been a bumper bumper season, hasn't it, Mum? Oh, well, uh, yes, uh, that's funny you say that, Caro. If we hadn't had this marvellous rain, I reckon our spirits collectively in Melbourne would be much, much lower. But it has been wonderful watching spring this year. It's Mother Nature. And if you're talking about going down different streets, can I give you a street I've just discovered to go down? Yes. It's full of small, mostly wooden houses, and there are, there are growing plants in the front gardens that I haven't seen for ages. Even a white picket fence has sweet peas growing right through it onto the footpath. 
and it's Connell Street in Hawthorne. It is simply beautiful, and there are many other beautiful streets. You should perhaps have a competition to um, to name them, not shame them, <laughs> just name them. <laughs> well, I've, I'm doing a lot of deliveries in Hawthorne at the moment, Julia. I don't know what has happened to their local bookshop, but... We've taken off with our business. I spent a lot of time in Hawthorne, and I must say some of those streets off the back of Auburn Road and so on with the little timber cottages are just so beautiful. I couldn't agree more. And I'm totally in love with Rathmines Road. You get the best view of the city from Rathmines Road, like you do in Kensington, actually. The best view of the city is from the Kensington Railway Station. Um, Julia, I wondered... um, With uh, Sunday's announcement where we can see a few more people... Does that impact upon you at all? Are you starting to see a few more people? No, we are discussing uh, playing bridge outside as the weather gets better. Everyone's talking about the old bridge tables they've got. Oh, I must qualify this with a lot of clever people are playing online, but then a lot of other people have, have started and found it not enjoyable at all. So um, I think a a nice game outside with a bit of shade will be very attractive. And mum, how do well we've spoken about it, but it's it's a bit bittersweet, isn't it? The Tigers making another grand final. We you probably thought you'd never see another premiership. Now you might see a third. Well, you'll certainly see a third grand final. You're obviously happy they made it, but how tough is it not being able to go? Oh, darling, the third. I saw 67. No, but I'm talking about in this era. I'm feeling very sad. And I want to send, can I start a shout out to the MCG? I'm thinking of that great ground and how I'm missing going there and what a complete cheapskate I feel for taking advantage of the lower subscription offered to the members, especially when I read that half of the members didn't take advantage of that. They chose to pay in full. Oh, well, yes, but, you know, you've you've been paying it for a long time and um, it's not like you got your money's worth this year. I I wouldn't feel too bad about that. Oh, no, look, it's very sad to think of that great, happy place empty (laughs) this week. I must say, people were very churlish about that piece of turf that they dug out and took up, sent up to the Gabba and what a waste of time it was and what a ridiculous publicity stunt. Oh, I thought it was great. (laughs) I thought it was lovely. Absolutely sweet. Now, Mum, is is there anyone else you want to send a shout out to? Oh, yes. Well, I did write down a couple, darling. To old friend Kevin Sheedy, never too busy to stop and have a good chat. Originally a back pocket plumber from Paran, and now he's within reach of being president of the Essendon Football (laughs) Club. Go, Kevin, I say. (laughs) And I've got one more. To Joe Campion of Richmond, who inadvertently gave the party of the year on grand final night oh, she did. in 2019. And one of her neighbours has just rung me to say it was the best night she's ever had. 
I'd actually go along with that. It was that was one of the most more enjoyable to think, and you know who knows what'll happen on Saturday. But if Richmond did win, to not be able to walk through those streets when you think about it last year, Mum, you know, being embraced and hugged and kissed by every man and his dog, it just seems so weird that it won't be happening this year. Well, hopefully it won't. Well, I do hear, Caro, that um, when we won on the weekend. Armies of cars descended on Richmond, waving scarves out of windows and blowing horns. And you can imagine what it's going to be like in Geelong, who, of course, can do a bit more than we can with their different rules. Mum, can you just give us some memories of 1967, the last time these two met in a grand final? Well, look, annoyingly enough, I rang your brother, the great Noel, and he said he was there with me. Oh, well, that's ridiculous. William's my age. We were only... He was six. He was six, six and I, I was seven. I wouldn't have taken him. I do remember that it very clearly was a beautiful day and we had very good seats. I took my mother and father and we were between Bay 16, I reckon, and uh, the... Um, Punt Road goals, and I remember Francis and Richard Clay especially playing on wings. They were old-fashioned wingmen who knew their place and stayed on the wing, and, oh, they were all so young. And I do remember Freddie Swift marking because that was a very dangerous piece of the game. The old go- I don't think, he, think that would have Geelong got through the goal review system these days, would it? Because he was clearly over the line. No, but still, Caro, what, it was slightly similar to Dangerfield's hand pass to Ablett last week. Fair enough. That was the throw of a lifetime. <laughs> well, Jewel, so I, I, um, I was delivering books in Docker... I delivered a book parcel to Docker Street, Richmond, yesterday, home of... Um, Jack Dyer, actually. I don't think it was his actual home, original home, but to a lovely terrace house there. And our old and friend Peter Simonovich. He used to live in Docker did Street, he? Richmond. I didn't know a that. football writer. Did didn't go. you? No, I didn't know that. Um, and so but, did Graham Richmond. But the, um, Graham Richmond, that's right. All the houses have uh, paraphernalia, well, the Richmond supporting houses. There's lots of Richmond activity, but it will be sad for the pubs and restaurants around that time. Uh, on oh, Saturday yes. night around the time if Richmond does win. That will be very sad because there will be none of that celebration. Joel, just getting back to this whole lockdown thing and I wondered whether, if we look at the positives, what good good things do you think might have come out of all of this for our community in general? Oh, definitely appreciation of small things in life, small victories, small rewards, uh, more appreciation of a successful meal, a good cake made or eradicating a weed in a garden. You've given up as too difficult reading old books that you thought, wondered why they were still in the bookcase. Deep cleaning, which could have been done many years ago and has just taken place. In in a domestic situation, I mean, well, look, there's you, always something. You take good care of yourself. I know that you are officially now allowed to have uh, Caro in your bubble um, to watch the game together. I hope that she's going to have that joy and privilege to do that with you on the weekend. I'll be thinking of you, Julia. I 
am not sure. I really don't get a feel for this game at all. I think both sides are so well equipped. They have peaked at exactly the perfect time. But I do wish you and the Tigers all the best. And thanks for joining us today. We've missed you dreadfully on the podcast. We can't wait to have you back. Oh, thank you, Gloria. I always enjoy talking to you too. It's, it's great fun. Mum, can you leave us with a tip for grand final day? As in who's going to win? <laughs> oh, no, darling. No, that's, that's flying in the face of all good sense. <laughs> <laughs> it is a 50-50 game. Well, what about a Norm Smith tip maybe, Joel? Oh, Oh, Dusty, yes. <laughs> hey, that's something else. But, well, you didn't, if you could have appreciated him any more, I think we've appreciated him even more this year, haven't we? Because he hasn't let us down. Oh, no, he hasn't. And wasn't he sweet going to the uh, Brownlow with Koch? And he hardly dares leave Cochin's side, <laughs> no. does he? <laughs> no, he doesn't. And they were both fantastic in that preliminary final where I think most of us thought we were going to suffer collective heart attacks. We certainly did. What a night it was. And I think the grand final will probably, it'll open up one way or the other, I think. It's impossible to think of another game like that, isn't it? What I do miss is the last night of training at Richmond. That is the best night of the year when they clatter down the bluestone cobbles all in fresh outfits and everyone there is... (laughs) All on the one page, as you might say. Yes, that is that. I agree. The grand final week in Melbourne without that last night of training for whoever's in the grand final, if they're a Melbourne club, it's a it's a great night. Hey, Mum, see you soon. Thanks for coming on board. Go Tigers. Okay, darling. Thanks, Bye. Julia. Oh, it just wouldn't be grand final week without your mother. Well, it just by our side. Since we've started doing this podcast, the Tigers have hit, the, hit this rare, rich vein of form. It's just, it's extraordinary. There has to be a connection. So let's go back to the weekend, Caro, and assess. Uh, just have a quick assessment of the two games. Uh, as I said to you, the when we caught up for a little walk the other day, I was. Um, I was not sure, and I spoke to my son, Will, who's up in the AFL bubble, just before the game, about 20 minutes before the game started, and he said he reckoned that that Richmond could win. And I thought in the first 10 or 15 minutes, they looked like the big game performers. We're used to this. We're comfortable. We're really good. And I felt that they had the ascendancy through the whole game, although Port Adelaide were magnificent. They threw everything at them, didn't they? But that back line of that defence of Richmond's is just impenetrable. What, What were you thinking going into the game? Did you think you had a hope? Oh, well, yeah, I obviously thought they had a hope, but I'd tip Port Adelaide and I tip Brisbane. My finals tipping has been atrocious. Um, I thought it, I, I just thought those two teams, number one and two, long a nice break, living in their own beds, home ground advantage, hostile territory for the opposition. I just thought they would prevail, and they'd both, you know, had wins over the teams they were playing. But no, it was um, extraordinary. It was an extraordinary game. It was just it, even people who weren't who weren't invested in either team, said it was one of the most tense nights of footy they've ever watched. Big Toby Nankervis standing up, you know, Tom Lynch and that unbelievable goal and the booing and the, look, it was just the drama, the high drama. Travis Boak, the great port champion, missing that goal, would that have changed everything? Um, their young players, Dersmer and Rosie and Butters all playing these magnificent roles. You know, there's going to be great things for the future for that footy club. Um, and then, of course, the next night, well, 
Geelong, Geelong actually thrashed Brisbane. I mean, it was only that they um, made a few mistakes that they weren't further ahead at quarter time and half time. Even Chris Scott at half time pretty much said, look, you know, we've got this. We're all over them. And if we keep going this way, we're going to be in a grand final. I think they're the romantic story, aren't they, Geelong? Well, really, there's a, well every, Gary every, year, and... every year there are fairy tales. Every year coming up to the finals, you think, oh, you know, what's the story going to be? And then after the prelim finals, then you realise that, that all the, the, fairy, the fairy tales start emerging. So we have Gary Ablett, you know, probably his last game. Uh, we have the whole kind of Richmond can they do it again? They've come from behind. Amazing story. Tumultuous season, oh, off-field of issues. The, and all of those, uh, you know, the wonderful Geelong captain, um, whose name just suddenly... Joel Selwood. Yeah, thank you. Gone out of my head. Um, he's Tom, already played in three flags. Come on, he's had a good go. <laughs> Pat, Paddy Dangerfield. <laughs> Never played in a grand final. It's just it, every year we get tossed up some amazing stories and then, of course, actually on the day, new stories emerge. Will, will the hub that they've both been living in. Geelong had to go to Sydney first. Then they've been up, they've been staying at Southport. They don't, they're in a, they've got their own footy ground to train on. They've got a golf course nearby. The Southport Sharks are a great gold, the, the biggest sort of club in Southern Queensland. Um, so, but no pool, but they've, they've preferred that. Richmond too have been in a separate hub to everyone else. And of course, Gary Ablett going home to support his wife because their child has some issues. And, Titch Edwards, Shane Edwards from Richmond, staying in Melbourne like Basha Hawley to be there for the birth of his child. Basha Hawley came up a bit earlier and quarantined on his own, but Shane Edwards and Gary Ablett flew up together, trained together in that hub that your son, my godson Will, went up in as well. And now here they are playing in a grand final after having so much time off footy. It has shown football teams that they need to be a lot more creative. And Craig Hutchison was quite interesting about this on Classified. Get a player and just bring them in for the last eight weeks of the season. It's not a bad theory, is it? Pay them less, yeah, and they can. They can. You see what real professionals can do, and those two, and Basher Hawley, who won the Jim Steins Award at the Brownlow the other night for his services to the community, who is just a wonderful story, and playing on for another year, which is fantastic news. And you know what he's been through with his mum having COVID. You know the message he sent to the Muslim community about distancing. It, there are some great individual stories. You're right, and those players, they, I, I don't want them to get a pay cut, but. Anyway, look, that's another story. Did you for watch the Brownlow? Day. I did watch the Brownlow, and a bit later on in our six quick questions, let's talk about Brownlow fashions. But the Brownlow was a very odd. It was odd, but like a Zoom meeting, I'm finding, or a Zoom webinar, because you have no distractions. You're actually really focused. I found myself very, very focused, so I wasn't distracted by the tints and the tears and and different. I mean, there was a bit of panning to tables with people drinking and girlfriends what about, laughing. What about but the ones in Mel- the Melbourne place? In those marks, they look like something. Anyway, the Lone Ranger. I know, but look, you know, at the at the end of it, we had a fantastic winner who made a beautiful speech. I was not sure why somebody could not put that medal around Lockie's neck, but you know, monumental stuff. Oh, that was just so bad. But look, Caro, we we will we will pay final tribute to football next week when we assess the grand final. But give us your tip, Richmond, bye. 16 points. Okay, I'm going to say Geelong by 10, which if either of us is right, that's going to be a crackerjack grand final. So the wonderful thing is great news for Melbourne, great news for Victoria, and um, go Cats, go Tigers. Now, crush of the week, you have one, and 
It's coming to us with grateful thanks to our gang from Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131806 for real Aussie energy. Carol, you have a crush. Yeah, look, it's David McAllister, the outgoing artistic director of the Australian Ballet, who I was lucky enough to meet last year. He was a lovely man. Uh, He's got a book out, Corrie, that I'm sure you know all about because you're a ballet aficionado, Saw, A Life Freed by Dance, and that is S-O-A-R. The reviews are quite interesting about David McAllister's book. Um, People say they wanted more of the machinations of working inside the Australian Ballet Company, a bit more gossip, a bit more scandal, which they don't get. He's been very careful and very diplomatic there. but And he's obviously being replaced by another David. David Halberg is taking over. Look, he is the first probably artistic director of the Australian Ballet Company for some years to not be leaving under a cloud or with any sort of known controversies with dancers or blues or anything, really. I mean, it, it's just a bit sad that they couldn't have the great year they they were going to have because they haven't been able to perform. But I, I really love the sound of him talking about what it was like to be a young boy going to school, being bullied, um, learning about his, his um, sexuality, coming to terms with his sexuality, his relationships, including um, with Kelvin Coe, was it? No, but he, uh, yeah, and but his uh, current partner is Wesley Enoch, the wonderful theatre yes. director. Yep. Of, of course, he's been, mm. he's been in a relationship for some time, but the early relationships and what that was like. Look, I think he's a fascinating person, but the reason he's my crush is because I think he's done a good job, but he has been true to himself. And he knows he might have been a bit conservative and he knows he could have been more daring with some of the ballets they put on at the Australian... You know, as you know, we are, we, we are big fans. I just think they are one of our national oh, treasures. Oh, I've been going to them since I was six or and something. And I've so missed it A bit like your brother year. to the football. I feel like a bit of a cheapskate, but like mum with the MCG, I have kept my money in there for my subscription this year, but I've put it on hold towards next year. I haven't oh, actually on. donated Just donate. it. Come on. Oh, come gee, on. it's pretty expensive, Corrie. Anyway, he's done a great job and he is unashamedly himself. So well done, David McAllister. Congratulations. Oh, that is a fine crush. I've known David for a long, long time. Uh, we, I, When I was arts editor of the Sunday Age, I ghosted a column that he wrote. We became great friends and I think that's a wonderful crush. Well done, David. Great tenure at the Australian Ballet and you are going to be a strong voice in the arts community for a long time to come. Caro, just before I um, go on to book screen food, on the matter of red energy, I received this text the other day. Hi, Corrie. Peter from the road trip here. Do you remember Peter was on a, there was a Peter who was on a road oh, trip, yes, talked yes, about yes. your hairy legs, how fascinating oh, it was to listen to you waxing. would love to be on a road trip right As now. As you know, I became a Don't Shoot the Messenger fan back when we were allowed to take a road trip. Other than worrying about Caro's lack of leg waxing and your grey roots, by far the biggest impression I got was the benefits of red energy. So much so that I have swapped our house to your red mates. They were great to deal with. With that done... I can go back to trying to perfect your scone recipe. Latest batch were good for choking up the caravan. Choking up the caravan. Choking, <laughs> choking up the caravan. Forever yours, Peter, from the road trip. Thank you, Pete. And that's uh, great energy. You'll be thrilled to hear that you've come on board as a result of this podcast. That's great. Wow. Now, book scream and food, Caro. This is a book that I read over the weekend. Really, that says it all, actually. Two days, completely absorbed. It's called Homestretch by Graham Norton. 
Now, is it the one set in Ireland? Yes. Yes, I read it over Christmas. Yeah. No, no, no. This is the this is his third novel. Oh, this just okay. Came out. Oh, I'm sorry. I read his second one, which so is for those also who, set in those Ireland. Those who are thinking mm, Graham Norton, familiar name. He, of course, is the Dublin-born talk show host who we love and adore, and he has written this his third novel, Homestretch. Again, Caro set in Ireland. It starts in 1987, uh, in a small Irish town, and the community is preparing for a big local wedding. And on the eve of the wedding, the day before the wedding, the wedding party and a couple of friends decide to jump in the car and drive to the beach. There is an accident, there are deaths, and there are terrible consequences for the young people who survive the crash. Our main character is Connor, a very shy teenager who, as fate would have it, was an absolute last-minute addition to the beach trip. And he, of course, has a terrible time coping with his own guilt, the survivor guilt and the heavy weight of the town's devastation. Caro, the way uh, the way Graham Norton just very gently delves into each family's grief, uh, it's really quite a beautiful, it's quite a beautiful novel. The novel then unfolds, uh, Connor leaves, he goes to Liverpool, then London, and 30 years later he's in New York City but he can't bury his past. He he has really been unable to kind of move on, to use that terrible term. But the past emerges and the memories of that terrible day in 1987 start to plague him. And we wonder, can he come to terms with the past and can he make peace with the village he once called home? Now, a bit like Colm Toybean, not nearly as literary because Colm Toybean is a major award-winning writer. But in the same sort of way, Graham Norton captures the spirit of the Irish village. I think people will really love this book. Uh, it is an, it is what you would call an easy read, but that's Home Stretch by Graham Norton. Highly recommend. Um, well, I look forward to that because I enjoyed his last one. It sounds a similar genre. It always involves a incident in the past, moving back to the future, usually ending up in Ireland. In fact, the last one was also set partly in New York as well, I reckon. And um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was enjoyable. Yeah, Thank he's you, uh, he's uh, he's a terrific writer as well as being a very funny man on television. Now you have a screen. Before I talk about my screen, are you across the um, affair that's been happening between Lily James and Dominic West? No, no idea who you're talking about. Lily James, who stars in the Rebecca that's about to come oh, to our okay. screen. Oh, okay, yeah. And who's the chap? Dominic West, who was in the hour, the hour. You know, oh, yeah, okay. And um, the affair. English right. actor. Yes, yes. Well, I don't know. I'm sorry. I have not been near a hairdresser nor a new idea. Dominic West is married to Catherine weeks. Fitzgerald and he's been seen canoodling with Lily James. They've been over filming in Rome, canoodling at the Leonardo da Vinci, da Vinci Airport. Lily James is, um, was about to um, be interviewed on an American talk show to talk about Rebecca, but she cancelled the interview because of being seen canoodling with Dominic West. Oh. He and his wife have stepped outside their London home and said their marriage is as strong as ever. Anyway, it's quite interesting. I'm looking forward to the new version of Rebecca, but I watched it's on Sunday. It's a very Sunday. tabloid moment you've brought into the I know, but I, I love Lily James. She's been in a lot of films yeah, we've has. seen lately. The Guernsey Potato Literary Society, whatever Guernsey it's called. Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society. That's it. It's a very good one for charades, just saying. <laughs> Come on, on with your screen. The Trial of the Chicago City. Written by Aaron Sorkin. It it premiered, recommended to me by my stepmother, Juliana. Great recommendation. It premiered on Netflix over the weekend. Corrie, this is just engrossing. I didn't really know the story of the trial of the Chicago 7, but there's some really 
interesting real-life characters in it, including Tom Hayden, who interestingly is played by um, Eddie Redmayne, the English oh, yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah. He's really, really good, a very funny, oh, a bit of a dodgy character, the old Tom Hayden. Um, Jerry Rubin, who was one of the co-accused of the Chicago 7, they all went and stormed upon the convention in Chicago illegally. There were seven people put on trial. It was None of them really knew each other. The question was, did they start these riots that caused so much bloodshed in Chicago or did the police? Nixon has just come to power. LBJ's just been voted out. Um, Nixon's attorney general decides to put these guys on trial. Um, the guy who plays the federal prosecutor, Richard Schultz, he's played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He is brilliant. How do I know that name, Caro? Oh, he's been in a few things. i tell you who has a great cameo in it, Michael Keaton as well. Sasha Baron Cohen is fantastic. There are so what a many. great cast. It's got a great cast. It was going to be made back in 2007 with Heath Ledger, interestingly enough, I think as Tom Hayden. And Will Smith. It was cancelled because at that time there was a writer's strike. Anyway, this has come to light now on the eve of the American election. It is just the most engrossing, fascinating story of this long trial with so many twists and turns. I thoroughly recommend it. You've got um, the Black Panther leader, Bobby Seale, who's... um, his role in it is just fascinating. Oh, what happens is so... You cannot believe it. Um, it's on Netflix. And Tom Hayden was married to Jane, Jane Fonda. Fonda. went on to be later on. At this stage, he's a bulky student who... Well, his role in all of this is I, absolutely fascinating. I always had a bit of a crush on him, I have to say. I always thought he was rather good-looking. Set... Well, Eddie Redmayne is extremely good-looking and extremely good as Tom Hayden. But it's, it was a 1968 Democratic National Convention. It's almost a mystery reenactment of what actually happened as well. It is so interesting. I thoroughly recommend it. Great. Now, you're on a roll, so let's do some food with Caroline Wilson. Well, as you know, what I'm doing today, because I've just given you a jar of granola. Yes. It, thank you for that. It really looks beautiful. I can actually... I'll give it a bit of a... People are going to be sick of the fact that... This is my jar of granola that Caro's given The recipes in the Good Weekend this year have just been... Aren't they the best? They've been unbelievable. And do you know what the good news is? Their new cookbook, the last one we sold hundreds of, their new cookbook comes out in a couple of weeks Well, all the recipes. I'm buying it, seriously. I might give um, it to you because you've given me granola. That can be my Christmas present, Corrie. The good food section of the Good Weekend, there's a pasta one in last Saturday that is an absolute cracker and so simple. But this granola is healthy. There's not too much sugar in it. The only sweet component is a bit of maple syrup. The only fat component is either light olive oil or melted coconut oil. I use coconut oil, but there's only a, there's two tablespoons in a huge amount. The secret is you use puff rice. Well, in this one, I couldn't find puff rice, so I used puffed quinoa. Um, there's, oh, you oh, know how I feel about quinoa. Puffed quinoa is great. It's light. It's like puff rice. Both work. There's well, you can use whatever nuts you like, including sunflower seeds and linseeds. Pecans are great. I use some walnuts as well. Use what you've got. The dried fruit, if you've got dried apricots, they're the best. I've got a few dates in there. I've got a few currants and oh, sultanas. You bake it all in the oven on baking paper. It takes about 20 to 25 minutes. It is the easiest, simplest thing to make. A couple of tablespoons with Shall the yogurt and fruit. Shall I do a taste fruit. test while you're here? Absolutely. Okay. I, think it's, I think it's the best recipe. It'd be a bit embarrassing if I choked. It's called like puffed rice, pecan and maple granola. I'm not granola. sure about the quinoa. I always think that quinoa is like air dressed up as a 
Well, it just as a, as it just grain. makes it lighter. You know, when you buy granola, it's so heavy. It's like eating a dessert. It's like eating a pudding. Oh my god, this is yummy. It's really yummy. Oh, what's the fruit? Um, there's dried apricots. There's pineapple. currants. There's raisins and dates. No, no what's pineapple. The, no, what's the yellow thing? Um, dried apricots. Oh, that's the dried apricot. Yeah. Oh. Looks yellow. Oh, Carol, that's absolutely divine. I might have to just... Um, Dried blueberries are good too. I did one batch with that. I've done two batches now. Um, the recipe will be on our show notes, Corey. I thoroughly recommend it. Now, you're grumpy. I'm sorry to make you grumpy again. I'll be grumpy next week because I'm grumpy about a few things. Carol, there's so much to be grumpy about. Like, please don't apologise <laughs> at all. Um, so last week when you were talking about Melania, First Lady's health and what had happened to her, the woman you insist on calling Melania... <laughs> Melania, um, you set me on a bit of a. I was a bit. I was a bit miffed actually. I didn't sort of think of that myself. Knowing you know how obsessed I am by the White House these days. Well, actually, it was my mum Julia who pointed it out to me. She was aghast that no one had been bothered to check in on her. Well, right. I was aghast that I had no knowledge and I hadn't been digging on behalf of the podcast. So anyway, I went. I went digging, and of course, I then discovered that Baron, the son, the fourteen-year-old son, had also tested positive. Did you know that? Yes. I did. Oh, okay. I'm a bit behind the times. Anyway, that's not why I'm grumpy, but I just wanted to report in that they're both apparently recovering. What about him doing Macho has... Man, coming on to Macho Man in <laughs> the last... Don't, don't give up your day job, Donald. Oh, seriously? What a, bad, what a bad dancer is he. Anyway, the thing that has made me grumpy um, overnight, Caro, as we record our little podcast, is that Donald Trump has attacked... Dr. Anthony Fauci, who we know is the administration's top public health official and is really the most admired man in the US. Oh, he's been around for about 500 years, according to Donald. Worked for all administrations. (laughs) He's called it as it is. He has huge popularity and respect and regard from both sides of the aisle and the American public. Well, Donald Trump has just gone out and basically shot Bambi overnight, I hate to say. He said he's called the public health officials idiots. This was in a fiery call to his campaign staff. And he said, people are tired of COVID. People are saying, whatever, just leave us alone. People are tired of hearing Fauci and all these idiots. And then he said of Fauci, he's been here for like 500 years. He's like this wonderful old sage telling us how Fauci, if we listened to him, we'd have 700,000 or 800,000 deaths. Well, Donald, it's all happened on your watch. Take responsibility. Don't blame Anthony Fauci. Uh, this, of course, was prompted, Caro, because Anthony Fauci, I think it was 60 Minutes, he went on television the other night and said that he could not believe when he was watching that event in the Rose Garden for Amy Conan Barrett that... that there were no masks in that crowd. And, of course, as we know, that was the super spread event and more than 20 people at the White House have come down with the coronavirus. So, But people are sick of it. We're just sick of coronavirus, Corey. He's sick of it. He's just sick of it. Okay. It's, it is just... It's, it's, so oh. it doesn't exist. Let's 50, get rid of it. 50,000 on average cases in the UK every day now. Oh, it is terrifying. It's ter- Anyway, look... Well, uh, I can't I can't take sides or call the politics on this, but I just also wanted to say what made me really grumpy over the weekend is where is the message of support from the Prime Minister Scott Morrison to the people of Victoria? Why is he not saying put the politics aside, Scott? Just say we all think you're doing a fantastic job, Victoria. Keep it up. We're so proud of you all. I am not Daniel Andrews. I deserve, you deserve, everybody listening who lives in Melbourne deserves to be congratulated for the hard work and the sacrifice that we've made. Why can't our Prime Minister say that? 
Do you know who stepped up over the weekend and did that? Craig Bellamy, the coach of the Melbourne Storm, Caitlin Thwaites, the captain of the Melbourne Vixens, Basha Hawley when he won the Jim Steins Awards, all these people giving interviews, sending messages that we should be getting from others. You're absolutely right. It's appalling. It's appalling leadership, Scott Morrison and Josh Frydenberg. Just put on a happy face, will you, and tell Victorians they're doing a great job. On to six quick questions, Caro. What is International Chefs Day. You, you text this through to me and I thought, I've got no idea what that is. It's today. Today is International Chefs Day. And I illustrate, I, I put this question up to illustrate how many, you reckon that's a stupid day to have? Do you know what Thursday is? International Caps Lock Day. <laughs> It's a day for the caps lock on your computer. Take that, exclamation mark. It, exactly. There's a day for international and caps we'll, lock. No, well, I, I, I... How do you know that? That's usually the sort of stuff I find Because out. I was trying to do some research for the podcast. You know how you... Bollocks. Always, you, know, you know how you're always coming up with questions about it's so-and-so's birthday and Oh, no, the, cat, the cats of Britain. Are, I had a bit of that. The cats of Britain are unhappy with lockdown. What about the magpies of Tasmania? Are the nicest magpies in the world? How do we know that? Because I read about it. No, but my question was going to be, what's your favourite cuisine? I just thought it was interesting. Oh, you're because asking we can, me a question. We can go to restaurants soon. That's oh. why I, on the back of International Chefs Day that was set up by some famous international chef. Oh, I'd have to say Italian, wouldn't you? Yeah, I guess so. I'm pretty keen I on Indian love, though I just, too. I, just I love, I love the full gamut of it from, from little beginnings to the beautiful, you know, oh, I don't know, all the Italian puddings that I just love. Yeah, I do, Tiramisu. I do, I do love Indian too. Anyway, Corey, what's the best news you've heard this week? Series four of The Crown will premiere on November fifteen. <gasps> you put you put that on our what's on our Cornballs WhatsApp. I was very excited. Apparently, when they were filming season three, Caro, I mean, talk about foresight before COVID. They decided that they would just film back to back, so they just went series three, series four. So it's all basically done. Josh O'Connor, who plays Charles, is increasingly surly. If you saw the little I put on the Cornball WhatsApp, I sent you a link for a preview. Oh, yeah, he's, I didn't watch it. He's increasingly surly as Diana, who comes on onto the stage, played most fabulously by Emma Corrin. She doesn't, of course, look identical to Diana, but she really has the affectations and the mannerisms and so on, which is really great. But the killer one is Gillian Anderson as Maggie Thatcher. Wow! Yeah, cannot she, wait for that. Hasn't she? Hasn't since she moved to the UK, she's really increased her repertoire. Began with Golden Bowl. She's a fabulous actor. She is indeed. Now, Caro, the question I've been wanting to ask you for a couple of days: Do you wish you'd gone to Queensland six weeks ago and into the quarantine bubble? No. Oh, rubbish! I, oh, I so don't believe look, you on that. I've got FOMO this week. I admit it's actually longer ago than that. It's actually seven weeks. I do. I'm really sad I'm not there to see the grand final, whoever is in it, and particularly now the Tigers are in it. But it just would have been too hard to do footy classified, first of all via Zoom and then in a different studio to Ed or whoever and with Kane Corns over in South Australia. I think for everyone's sake and for my garden's sake and I think my family are happy I stayed in Melbourne. So I would love to be there but no regret. No, je ne regret rien, Oh, Corrie. I just don't believe je you Je ne that. regret rien. <laughs> now, Corrie. 
321 in your Brownlow fashion voting. Well, it was a bit hard this year, Caro. I know it this is my favourite, everybody's favourite segment. It was really hard to gauge who was wearing what. But Some of the men's suits. I mean, Patrick Dangerfield, really. Well, I'm not Travis ju- Boak in that check jacket. I'm not oh. judging the men. So I'm going to start with one, which, of course, in Brownlow fashion is the lowest vote. Although, you know, it, she looked beautiful. Kate Lawrence, who's the partner of Swan's Luke Parker, she had a fabulous tangerine Grecian-inspired dress. Uh, the colour of the dress was amazing, Carol, and she had her hair done in a top notch like a Grecian goddess, and she had hoop earrings on. Really fabulous. Look, I must say, the bubble has helped some people's suntans. I'll just say that. Um, number two was Ellie, Thorny- Ellie Thornycroft, who uh, goes out with that nice Collingwood chap. I can't remember his name. She wore citrus yellow, Caro, and even though I was appalled by the number of splits I saw and so high and so inappropriate and lack of balance. Don't have a split down the front and a split up the leg. You know, just one thing at a time. Well, Ellie took that to task, uh, took that to, to heart, I should say. She had a high neck, shoulderless, so high neck with this split up the side, citrus yellow. She looked fantastic. But my number three was Zoe Hurd. She had the most wonderful uh, dress on. It was really relaxed uh, in a kind of a lockdown sort of bubble kind of style. It ha- she had bo- it had bold colours on it. It was geometric in shape. I don't know whether you saw it, and it was calf length. Who's she go out with? Um, I don't know. I didn't write that down. <laughs> Corrie? I didn't write that down. I who thought, she goes out with? I, I didn't thought, know. I didn't know the player. Maybe Jane can just give us a quick I thought, sort of. I thought Mrs. On there. Mrs. Canelio looked fantastic, but I embarrassingly don't know her name. How do you spell Heard? H-I-R-D? H-E-A-R-D, actually. Okay. All right. Um, Zoe Heard. Anyway, she had this geometric shaped dress on in uh, orange sort of colours. She looked absolutely fantastic. Loose hair, calf length, terrific sandal shoes. I thought she looked great. And a special mention to Britt Selwood, wife of Joel Selwood. She looked really relaxed and terrific in in a gorgeous black outfit. So they would be my three, two, one, Caro. You know, I'm pretty happy with those. I did think um, uh, the winner's partner, oh, no, Lockie when, Neal's did partner. Did you see it in full low? No, I, well, oh, I no, it was under it was underpants in underneath a sheer. Zoe Heard goes out with Jake Lloyd, who won the best and fairest for the Sydney Swans the other day. Okay, thanks. Hang our heads in shame, and she's a copywriter. I think. I think that's right. Well, anyway, anyway. I thought she looked absolutely fantastic. Caro, what is your most fun grand final day memory? Oh, Corrie, it's like I mean, how many? How many have there been? I think you don't want to go back to 1967 with <laughs> Will and Julia. Do you? Well, I actually wasn't there. I stayed the weekend. I stayed the night at a friend's house and came home the next day. And Bull Richardson and Fred Swift were in our back garden and um, sang me the song from the Mickey Mouse Club. That's all I can remember. It was Richmond's dad was on the committee. He wasn't president then. No, look, there was 1980 was great fun being there with um, Anna from the op shop in our tie-dyed yellow windsheeters and black leggings and all of that sort of stuff. But I think when Jack Revolt got on stage and started singing Mr Brightside with the Killers out of the blue after Richmond had broken a 32-year premiership drought um, in, a, in an upset that actually I, I tipped. It was my last grand final as the chief football writer of the age. I'd just pressed send on my copy almost the moment I saw Jack in the darkness appear on stage. And then me and Greg Baum and Michael Gleeson and Jake Nile and a few others went down to the Blazer Bar and had one of the more enjoyable drinks I have ever had in my whole life. That was a, 
that whole moment, that whole night was just magic. Oh, I have little tears for you now. None anyway, of that this year. You'll be sitting having a cuppa with Jewel, but nonetheless. We'll always have 2017. You'll be, you'll be and so 2019. excited. Yeah, Corrie. And maybe 2020. Who knows? Which COVID lockdown word is currently driving you crackers? Well, I said it last week, actually, pivot. I'm so sick of everybody pivoting. People keep saying to me, oh, your bookshop will pivot as a result of this. Mm. Team Biden, Joe Biden, they said they should start with an Asian pivot. I thought, what does that mean? Of course, it means a turnaround in US foreign policy if he wins. Daniel Andrews has pivoted. I read that yesterday. I mean, everybody's pivoting. Disney's pivot to streaming won't change Hollywood was the headline in the New York Times, I think it was the other day. Everyone's pivoting now. Yeah, and I'm sick of the new normal, and I'm also sick of being nimble. I'm sick of. I don't want to be nimble. We've got to be nimble. I'm no. I'm not nimble. I was never. Never was I nimble, and certainly not now. Anyway, Corrie, great to see you. Well, Caro, I do wish you and the family all the best, and all your tiger friends, and of course to Anna from the op shop and Julia. We send all our best as well. I know, I, I know you're barracking for Geelong. Yeah, so I'm just sorry. I, I just, I I, I'm, not, I'm not even going to go there. So I'll just, I'll just keep that one quiet. But I did want to thank our Red Energy supporters. They have been fantastic through this whole footy season, and indeed, uh, you know, it's just been a tough year. And Red Energy has been right behind our podcast, and of course, all of our listeners as well. You guys rock. Thank you for giving us stars on Apple Podcasts because it helps others find us. Corrie, can I just also quickly intervene to plug our 150th webinar event that is oh, coming yes. up? Um, you can buy tickets. We're actually celebrating, Corrie, by inviting you to join us for a live podcast and webinar and a Q&A session. So it's on Wednesday, November the 4th. Yes, that is Wednesday after the Melbourne Cup. It's on at 5.30 in the afternoon and you can join us via Zoom. Something we've become used to. So go to the Try Booking page in the show notes, which you'll find out. There are links there on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, or just go to trybooking.com and search 150th Don't Shoot the Messenger. Potties, we want you to join us for a glass of wine. And at that time of day, we should probably know who has won the US election. Well, we hope so anyway, because it's Tuesday their time, Wednesday our time. So let's hope we're celebrating, Caro. That would be fun. Uh, join us, everyone. We'd love to have you on board. Thanks for all your feedback. Joe Biden currently is on the same percentage lead that Hillary Clinton let's was. Let's not talk about 2016, Caro. There are some grand finals you just don't talk about, and that's one of them. Um, Potties, also, don't forget, Caro and I are we would love to have your questions as well for the 150th. So anything you want to ask us, both of us, just a general question, anything. It could even be about Caro's amazing granola recipe. Who knows? It's Helen Goh's famous granola recipe. Caro's twist on Helen Goh. <laughs> and Miss Jane, the flowers that you have bought in today, the beautiful natives are stunning. And the banks here. And, be... the, and the book oh, as well on Joseph Banks. Just It's just all themed. It's beautiful. And she's brought us in um, seedlings of nigella seeds. Oh. Oh, thanks, Jane. I've got the I've got the new herb patch going. Thank you, everybody. And Carol, what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger. And what do we say? Are you getting a blow wave for the, <laughs> <laughs> for the event? I think. Are you getting your legs waxed? Doesn't matter about my legs for a webinar. I just need to have a nice blow wave. I'll be getting one. <laughs>